0: For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911, and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com.
1: Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGroves.com, with your host and elk hunting coach, Joe Gilligan. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they
2: love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Welcome everybody, I'm Joe Gillia, and this is your Insights Edition of Blue Collar Elk Hunting where we want to talk and learn about all things elk. And on today's special edition, let me tell you what, if you're an elk hunter, if you have anything to do with wildlife, if the outdoors is your thing, then this is a show for you. We have special guest John Stallone of How for Wildlife, an organization whose goal is to promote The conservation and management of fisheries and wildlife through science-based evidence and practices. The focus of today's show is to inform and empower you, our listeners, with information on what has been an important and hot topic throughout the West, Colorado's wolf management plan. And how you, no matter where you live, can get involved as hunters, anglers to help guide this plan and protect it from those that will be presenting radical versions that y'all, this could have disastrous impacts and repercussions for generations to come. So very critical show, very important. And John, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
2: You betcha. Always
1: good to catch up with you, Joe, anyway.
2: Well, you know, this is um this is our opportunity to um get some information out there because really like what as soon as I say howl for wildlife and people hear wolf management plan, a lot of people confuse the fact that you guys are howl with you know Yeah, oh yeah.
1: <laughs> right. It, that I mean, especially in the beginning that happened a lot. And we kinda did that on purpose. Uh-huh. um Because I know I know you've heard of the, the term green decoy before, where there there's certain organizations that parade as, you know, environmental or cons- conservation groups that are not hunter friendly. Right. So they're, they're a decoy. They're calling green decoys anyway, basically. And uh, so we kind of did, we, we took a page out of that book a little bit and um, we decided that, you know, how the name and, and having the, obviously having a wolf Being very polarizing would make some of the environmental groups that are opposed to hunting kind of look over us. And it's, I mean, obviously eventually that catches up with you, but, uh, so far thus far, it's kind of helped out, (laughs) helped us out a lot. And plus we also, we also felt it necessary because anti hunting groups have co-opted the word conservation that when they're not conservationists, they're preservationists.
2: Right.
1: Um, and they've co-opted animals like the wolf. Oh, you know, why can't the wolf be a representative of honor? I mean, it's literally the best alpha hunter out there, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm so, in the cougar, man. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that, that was, there was, there was some strategy behind that (laughs) anyway.
2: Yeah. But, and, and so, and we don't want to say that it's definitely not that you're against wolves. It's not that you're promoting, you know, uh, it, it's, it's about doing the right thing for our wildlife in North America through, you know, without using emotion, without using politics, without putting it in those arenas and mm-hmm. letting, you know, the science based uh, management do its job, right? Right, right.
1: Yeah, well, I, um, how stand? We're not, we're not, a def- we're definitely not against the wolves. Um, I don't know that we'd be running around promoting wolves either, but, um, mm-hmm. for the most part, if the if the management plan is sound, if the science is sound, we'll support it um because ultimately we want healthy ecosystems we want undulance to thrive um and I look at it so my background uh just so you know joe i i went to uh i i got my my master's degree at Colorado state university mm-hmm. um and I got it in range land management and ecology. So when I look at things, I kind of always look at things as systems. And, and I think you and I have had this conversation before. I'm of the, I'm of the school of thought that if when you enter into a system, no matter where you enter it, which side you enter it from, there's always going to be an equal reaction on the opposite side of it. So when you look at something, when you come into something, you have to look at things holistically. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if there's plans in place that include predators like wolves and bears and so on and so forth, um, as long as the management plan looks at it from a holistic approach and it's not like, oh yeah, we want wolves back on the, on the, you know, on the landscape, but we don't want you to touch them. We don't want you to manage them. Let them manage the deer herds. So that takes hunters out of, out of the equation. And often, uh, which you'll see is like, you'll see, you see this up, you know, up in Canada and, in uh, various places that they have, uh, you know, brown bears and wolves and there's predator pits. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot into it, you know, there's, and the problem is there's your, um, academics that are, Putting their input, and then there's practitioners that are, have hands on that are not being brought into the fold as much. Um, it, it's it's unfortunately it's more politics than there is science involved when it comes to, especially when it comes to the wolf.
2: And whenever it comes down to politics basically you're involving emotions and <laughs> yeah. lay off that right and and there's right. two things that i want to do um before we move on with that because i do want people to understand what howl is as far as being a voice for um the outdoorsman whenever you guys um are informed of situations that could take away opportunity or that could hurt the science-based management of areas. The whole goal of Hal is to be just like a pack, one voice together. So you give us an opportunity and a in a in a place to be able to make impact by simply clicking on a you know, on a button to be able to send emails to senators and representatives and right. people that are the decision makers out there. So that's the whole goal of HAL is, is to be able to unite us because we've always talked in the past that there's so many people out there, but we're all a tree falling in the forest. And this is one way for us to get that one voice, that one HAL out there, right? So I just want to make sure that that's clear. If people haven't gone to Howl, H-O-W-L, and it's a dot org, correct?
1: Yes, howfulwildlife.org. Um, I think, oh, let me, I'll just double check this real quick, but we had
2: it set up so that how could also do it. Right. Yeah. yeah how.org. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and while you're doing that as well is you brought up a word that I want to make sure the yep. listeners understand and you said predator pit and mm-hmm. to a lot of people, Unless you're you know you've dealt in this or you understand it, a lot of people don't understand what a predator pit is. Can you explain mm-hmm. that
1: Well simply put basically the alpha predators for really simply they eat themselves out of their the prey and then there's right. there's nothing there but predators and it becomes a wasteland, even though the even though the habitat is pristine.
2: Right. And, and they have to end up going into other areas or right. they're going to, you know, they're going yes. to not um, live, right? So they have to work on that. And it takes a long time for that food source to be able to come back because in nature, what would supposedly happen is those animals mm-hmm. would eat themselves out of a house and home and then they would starve to death. They would. Then die. Right. Then their food source would actually start to flourish again, and it would be a process like that.
1: Right, and it's a it's a it's a very vicious cycle that happens over and over again. And you know, um, the importance of being again going back to what I was saying, balanced. Mm-hmm. So that if you look at it, I know uh, they use the the cup being full analogy and the spillover as the water keeps filling up in the, in the cup, the spillover is what we hunters usually take to keep the cup from spilling over. And so, you know, in a perfect world, you're taking the surplus. You're taking enough to keep the habitat healthy because there's been situations too. Like um, if you look up uh, the history of the Kaibab, Okay, which is a very uh, – Kaibab is actually now is a um, – what's the word I'm looking for here? Like a success story, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't. It was an epic fail uh, in management. And what ended up happening – to make a real short story of it – is originally uh, deer up there were amazing. It was flourishing hunters came in, uh, this is before regulated hunting and, um, you know, the, the population got lower, but not to extinction or anything like that, but just got lower. And they came up with this awesome idea because they put cattle up there also that we're going to get rid of all predators. And they literally wiped out every predator, any predator that could take down a, you know, bobcats, coyotes, wolves, bears, whatever, they took it out of there, um, which caused the deer herd to explode. And, you know, Kyabab kind of was pretty inaccessible to humans, I mean, for the most part back then. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, it has a nice highway that goes up there now. Um, it, we didn't have that many hunters in there. And there was cattle ranchers and so on, and so but so between the cattle and the deer, they destroyed the habitat, literally destroyed it. Um, so they realized that you can't have, you can't have one without the other. Was going back to what I was saying earlier. Yeah. And eventually, they found their correct balance of hunters taking what they need to take and uh, the, keeping the prey prey population at a certain and the predator population at a certain level. And it's all about you know having these thresholds um, and and what's sustainable. You'll hear that word turnaround. around. What's a sustainable amount? And you'll hear um, you know them, them talk about carrying capacity. Carrying capacity is like how much how many animals can live on a landscape. Right. And so all those things are important. So when you when you're talking about wolves and bears and um. There's very successful, you know, very successful, uh, examples of, mm-hmm. of what that could be and what that could yep. look like, you know, from a standpoint of from a hunter, I definitely don't want any more competition. I don't want more competition from hunters and I definitely don't want competition from right. other <laughs> animal four legged hunters, you know? Yep. So, but the fact that a matter is the wolves are coming, um, Actually, before before we jump into the wolves themselves, mm-hmm. I, I do – you started touching on this. I wanted – when you were explaining how we keep coming across this roadblock, so um, – You keep it, coming across this what? Roadblock, okay, oh, okay. with uh-huh. hunters. That hunters are so apathetic about what doesn't concern them or doesn't
2: affect them. Specifically, yeah, the kind of so, like just I mean, leave me alone and let me do my thing, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, kinda, but even more so within within hunting. So what I'm talking about is like the guy who hunts whitetail in New York doesn't give a crap about the guy in Colorado who hunts elk, right? And vice versa. Yeah, and we see it all the time because we put these actions up, and I don't know what the exact statistics are, so I'm going to just throw out some arbitrary numbers to you, but. Let's say we get, you know, 10,000 people to sign something. Mm-hmm. 7,000 of those 10,000 people are doing it because they really care about that's, that is their thing. That's their niche.
2: That's their passion. That's what they're involved in. That, in. That, yes. Uh-huh.
1: Okay. That's what they're involved in. And then the other 30%, and that might even be a high number. So I'm saying 70, 30. are the people who just care about hunting and want to see your fellow hunter thrive. And we, we need to get the whole country because health of wildlife has like 40,000 users and something like 20, something 25,000, I think members. That's super small portion. We're 16 million hunters. Yeah, they say 15 to 18 million. Okay, but I'm gonna use 16 million hunters in the United States. Could you imagine if 16 million hunters, every time a hunting bill popped up, either pro hunting or against hunting, those 16 million people jumped on board and made their voices heard, say, "No, we we want this. This is." We don't, we don't want this to go away. There's no politician in the world. They would backpedal so fast, they wouldn't even know what the hell hit them. They wouldn't know what the hell hit them. Because we see that kind of reaction now with just a few, with thousands. Could you imagine millions? Even if it was 15%, 20% of the 16 million, we're talking about 3 million people sending an email every single time. And it's the easiest thing in the world like oh, it definitely. really takes no time it's like 45 yep. seconds of your life and you just did more for wildlife more for hunting than you ever did ever
2: and not only and what's so not only do you just push a button but there's information there there's information that's valuable for us right. to be able to um make a sensible argument or promote in a way that is not just like some kind of, well, you're, you know, that type, you're on that side of political party. Right. That's why you're that way. I mean, it's, it's a way of us being intelligent with how we talk to other people and oh, be yeah. solid ambassadors. So there's great information there, you know, for people to be able to learn that as well.
1: That's a great point. So, like specifically with this wolf thing, do you know right. how many hunters commented when we were posting stuff originally for when we released the when we released the action for people to get involved? How many hunters were like, "Shoot shovel, shut up," or right. "We don't want any stinking wolves." And, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" That first off, the shoot shovel shut up. I'm not gonna tell you to do what you want to do. You do what you want to do. You want to do something illegal? Do something illegal, but it ain't. I mean, first off, where's the shut up part? You know, the first rule of Fight Club is don't talk about Fight Club, (laughs) okay? That's number one. Don't put that out there. But, um, (laughs) I mean, but this it's not, you're not doing anybody any services by talking that way. Like, you're, you know, like, you're not helping hunting. You're not helping your view. You're not helping, you know, anything by by saying stuff like that. Like, if you can't be intelligent about something just shut your mouth just don't even don't even open your mouth because you're going to hurt what you're trying to avoid like you're going to add give give more fuel to the fire
2: absolutely yeah then, and the, an important important point there is if five percent of this nation is pro mm-hmm pro-hunting, right, and we have 5% that is anti-hunting, that leaves mm-hmm. 90% of people out there with no opinion or opinions to be molded. And by us doing or saying things like that, that make no sense, that, you know, mm-hmm. do not represent us in the way we want to, then we are actually casting our own vote against us. We're helping to convince somebody that has oh, yeah. an opinion that, man, maybe that, these aren't good people, right? Right. Right.
1: Yeah, and we're, so and we're in a political climate right now, as well as a social climate, yep. that we are we as a society is so easily influenced. I mean, we look at an Instagram post and we're like, oh, I ever got an opinion about this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, we can see a picture, and you know, this is stuff that I've talked about a bunch. Like, we we almost got to police ourselves in a way. We got to carry ourselves to a different standard because it's so easy for the other side Absolutely. to run their narrative. Like they can, with a picture, they can sway minds. We don't have that ability. We can't put a picture up there that says, oh, we put all the funding, we're the number one uh, group that's out there doing actual uh, boots on the ground conservation, we're putting animals back. We can't do that, even with infographics. It doesn't have the same Whatever, but you could put a little picture of a dead Bambi on the side of the road, and you know a hunter standing over it. And even though the situation may have been this guy stopped because the deer got hit by a car and he's trying to help it, but no, what they'll they'll give you their narrative on it, and guess what? That's a narrative that's going to take off.
2: Yeah, because that's and. You know, that's the first thing that hunters jump to is like, you know, we're conservationists. No, not all hunters are conservationists, man. We are, you know, taking from the resource out there how many people are actually doing something that they can take a picture of that is showing conservation, that is, you know, helping the habitat, that is developing that, that is helping our animals thrive. That's conservation. But everybody always jumps on that. And you're right. It's so much easier for the other side to – to provide for their narrative when for us, we have to actually deal with things within our own groups that mm-hmm. give us a bad black eye or give us a bad look. So, um, mm-hmm. totally get it. It, it, yeah. it, that's why as ambassadors to actually get people out there to show them to share your harvest, you know, to talk about the passion, talk about the things that you understand about these animals, how intimate we are with them firsthand. When you start doing things like that, it, it's, it's contagious and, and it's right. intelligent. And it's not just, you know, uh, if you don't like it, don't, yeah, you know, exactly. Like,
1: I, I hate, I hate that. You know, I hate that mentality because it's just not that way anymore. I've used this example a couple of times, but it's, you know, back in the day in the seventies and eighties and nineties even, but let's talk 60s, seventies and eighties, we would put a deer on the hood of the car, and drive it to the city center and, yeah. You know, show yeah. it off, right? Yeah.
3: Right.
1: Now that City Center is a grip and grin picture on Instagram, and now it's not just your hunting buddies seeing it, not just the people that are accepting of it, it's everywhere. And right. it's and it's very out there, easy to be interpreted. And yes, you could put the best and I'm not saying don't do this because I've I i i am all about you putting uh a uh, comment or whatever on there that says exactly what's going on, because, but the problem is nobody read. Not nobody, but most people don't read. You know what's right. what goes with the picture. They just look at the picture. Well, they so, can take
2: the picture and make it into a meme, right? So, right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Anyway, well, I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time on that because we wanted to talk about this wolf situation. Um, so. let me give you some background. So Proposition 114, this is back in November of 2020. Mm -hmm. Colorado voted 50.9% of the votes were in favor. That's 1,590,299 votes in favor of having wolves reintroduced. So just over half the votes said they wanted wolves in Colorado, which is crazy to me. Because if you take that number, 1,590,000, it's crazy to me because Colorado has 1.1 million hunters, okay? Mm -hmm. So by my calculations, if every hunter stood up, went out, and voted alongside all the ranchers and all the non-hunting citizens that were against wolves, I mean, to put it plainly, they would have mopped the floor with them. Okay. So what, you know, what was also astounding, we were talking a little bit about this earlier here is that the wolf supporters raised $2.4 million in contributions to support the reintroduction. Conversely, hunters and ranchers only raised just over a million. Mm-hmm. So the long and short of it is the time to oppose the wolf reintroduction has come and gone. Chow chow, It's gone. You know, we, we, Sportsmen and women did not make our voices heard in 2020. So like it or not, the wolves are coming.
2: So like I so say, we can, can, what's next. we can, so life is about change, but yeah. you can either be a victim of change or you can help direct change. So the whole purpose of what we're talking about today is not to be a victim of it. We've already put ourselves in this situation. Now it's about being proactive and trying to guide that. Right. Right.
1: Right. So now we have an opportunity to have our voices and our opinions in place for this management plan. Okay. So Proposition 114 states that 250 wolves would be transplanted by December of 2023. And, um, on, and, and part of that there was supposed to be a management plan set in place, okay? Um, I'm going to read this verbatim here to you, I say. So uh, Prop 14 was designed to require Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission to create and carry out a plan to reintroduce, manage gray wolves by the end of 2023. Under the measure, wolves were set to be reintroduced on Colorado lands west of the Continental Divide. Uh, the exact location will be determined by the commission uh, the commission was to manage any distribution of the state funds that were made available to pay fair compensation to owners of livestock for losses of livestock caused by the gray wolves. The measure directs the state uh, legislature—oh my god, I can't
2: speak—to
1: <laughs> make appropriations to fund the reintrodu- reintroduction program. So basically, what that's saying is. Two hundred fifty wolves are going to be put in place. The commission has the ability to put a management plan in place, but what it's also saying is that the taxpayers are paying for the wolves to be reintroduced, and they're paying for any livestock that they kill from right. for, for perpetuity. Uh, this is anti hunters love this language because, and they put us a lot of support between this because they. They know this pacifies the non-consumptive opposition. And I, what I mean by the non I'm talking about the ranchers. This mm-hmm. pacifies them. You know, so now you lose a little bit of your support from the ranchers and stuff like that because hey, hey, they're going to get paid up to $8,000. Up to $8,000 per livestock that can be determined was killed by wolves. So for them, it's like, okay, well, that's in place. It's not my first choice, but... So then you lose that support. Now it's just hunters and sportsmen and those that who are completely just opposed because they don't want their dogs being eaten or whatever. Um, but... So they get their cake and eat it, too, basically, you know. Anyway. Um, so this December, uh, December 9th, Colorado Parks and Wildlife released their draft management plan. Um, while it's not perfect, there's still many reasons why as hunters should show support for it. Um, it's really important. It's imperative that the the commission hears our support specifically for the few crucial parts of the plan that are in line with what it is what is good for us and is good for wildlife in general. Uh, mainly that supporting the objective of the population. So no more than 250 wolves. Uh, and once it's reached that and has held that for a number of years, I don't remember what it is. Um, Cause I think if, if it's an endangered species, I want to say it has to be there for eight years, might be three. I don't remember. That's above, above my pay grade at the moment. Uh, but after a certain number of years, if it holds at 250 or as if it's going over that, then, um, the, they will be listed as game animals and you will be able to hunt them. Basically.
2: Right. Be able to manage the,
1: the numbers. Yeah. Phase four of the management plan is very important to us. Um, it spells out the lethal, you know, lethal methods of, of take and, and, um, is going to give us it's going to give us the foundation that we need to manage wolves properly in, in a way that that is um, palatable for for hunters. Okay. Um, it also will include um, monitoring ungulate herds, like so elk, deer, antelope, sheep, whatever, um, and if there's declines in those because in the areas that have wolves there there's triggers put in place to protect that um, so basically what's the pu- push to get the even though we I just said the plan is not perfect what's the push um, in coming weeks the wolf advocacy groups and their supporters will attempt to dismantle the plan in hopes to reach uh, a non-vote or, or even to scrap the plan completely um, by the time um, so that by the time that they comes, you know, they come up with something that people could get, could agree on they'll, their version. They will be able to implement their version with a favorable commission. And what do I mean by that it is um, I want to say in June I think I got this written down here somewhere. So I have my dates. Um, in June, they're they're going to get four new uh, four Mission, new yeah. commissioners, right? Yeah. And right now, the the eleven commissioners that are there are um, are hunter friendly. You know, they 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 believe in hunting. They're I think most of them are all hunters themselves. Um, so it's the, the other side's tactic right now is to stall this as long as possible until they can get a commission in there that is not hunter friendly. And then they can push their, their, their agenda basically. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it says that, uh, Colorado, I have this written down here cause couldn't remember dates. Colorado Parks and Wildlife must finalize and vote on the wolf introduction plan by May of 23, with a deadline to have the wolves physically present by 2023, uh, December 2023. Um, so, like I said, even though that wolf management plan still needs refinement, um, it's in our best, it's our best options. Right now, and anti hunting advocates want all lethal take removed from the plan completely. Uh, And right now, there's legal take in the plan. This uh, current plan must be amended and updated. Um,
2: You know, I know it's another rabbit hole, John, but lethal take is never off the table because there's a point where some animals. Would still have to be taken just not by sportsmen out there. We would actually yeah. be somebody would be paid to either trap or to euthanize or to, to, to take that animal to keep those numbers down. So instead of again, the states making money and utilizing sportsmen to manage the, the animals like we manage the herd, they end up Paying money instead, again coming out of taxpayers' pocket. So that's just a that's just something to think about there. And right. what I want you to do with within what you're talking about here, though, is, you know. Give specific, like you said, may is by when they want to adopt this. When do people, how do people need to act? Where can they act? And I know they can go to your site and actually see your plan. But I want this to be said a few times through whatever this conversation is, Sure. how they can and specific dates that are important, that are critical, and what they can do to take part in this. More than just you know, being angry, screaming, sending right. notes and stuff like that, right?
1: Yeah, no, um, for sure, the best, your best option is to go to Howl for Wildlife, because when you're sending a Howl, you're, it's getting to all the commissioners and all the decision makers. We're actually now working, There, there is a citizens group that is uh put together by hunters, and I think it's I don't remember what it's called. It's got an acronym and I'll have to find that out for you I and mean, you could add it to your show notes. But um, they also need to hear from the, from the hunters as well. And we're, we're working on adding that to, to the system so that uh, they're also getting your howl. But um for the, the critical date for us is February 22nd.
2: Okay. What's happening then?
1: Uh February twenty second is basically I think when they're shutting down the incoming input from from the sportsmen. Uh, and from anti-hunters as well. But um, so from now to till, till then it's it's really important for us to have our heart our voices heard. Uh after that, they're gonna do whatever deliberating they wanna do. They they can make whatever tweaks they wanna make to this. Uh, this plan to make it a more sound, sound plan. Um, so even though May 23rd, May, 20, May of 2023 is the commission's deadline, mm-hmm. the deadline for us is February 22nd.
0: Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com
3: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Okay. So, um, go show your support for it. Go to Half a Wildlife. Go to the Action Center. And... You know, send the And if you could, you can read the message that's there. So.
2: And all through the It's not messages. a canned email. I'm, right. Yes.
1: It's not a canned email. We, we upload, depending on the type of action, anywhere from 50 to a couple hundred different variations of the email, uh, because we want the authenticity to be there for the, uh, the people, the decision makers reading it. Uh, it goes out with a different not only just a different message, it goes out with a different um, subject line, and our open rate is astronomical. If you look at like, and I, I'm I'm just giving this as an example. I, I'm definitely not throwing Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation under the the bus because I think they do excellent work, and I'm I'm a member myself and have been for a very long time. Um. They actually they have an action center a, ver- a version of an action center um, it's a form letter and that form letter goes out and it goes out from rocky mountain elk foundation on behalf of you joe Owner. right okay how for wildlife is different the email comes directly from your email address it comes from you it comes from joe smith John Doe, whoever you are. It comes from you direct. So it's way more, way, way, way more powerful. Um, Also, our emails are editable. Is that even a word? I think so. (laughs) You can edit the email. (laughs) You can go in there and you can make it your own. Now, be careful with that. Do not get politically charged. Don't talk about how you hate wolves and blah, blah, blah. It's it's about being supportive of what is being presented. And if you have a educated um, suggestion, like a management suggestion, I mean, assuming that you know what you're talking about, if you don't know what you're talking about, it's probably best you don't say anything, but you can add that.
2: Again, add that in. again because... The wolves are going to be introduced. It's not going to do any good to go. Yeah, we're not, we don't you, need wolves. We're not stopping it. We That's wolves. done. Yeah. It's, it's happening. So that the whole goal is sailed. to be intelligent enough to help guide that process. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. Unfortunately, like I said in the beginning, uh, when we started talking about wolves, the ship has sailed. You, you had an opportunity to stand up and stop it and not enough people did. I mean, it was close. I mean, it was 50.9. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my opinion, when I look at the numbers, I think it's ridiculous. And to me, it means that, you know, if you only had, a, um, you know, just over a million uh, or just under a million and a half people and you, you're 1.1 million of our hunters out there in that state, like that's a, just like no brainer to me. Like you, you should have yeah, 1.1 yeah. million hunters should have been there. Excuse
2: me. Yeah. Um you know and I can tell you even um and here's what's interesting is is you know for you take the the pro wolf right mm-hmm. we actually because here in New Mexico and southern New Mexico we have the gray wolf that's been introduced in the Mexican gray wolf yeah. yeah Mexican gray wolf and one of the fears of that is is that you know that the northern gray Actually come down into that area and what Absolutely. that can cause to happen, right? So, um, that, you know, because even the Mexican grays are, which is a smaller wolf, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is there's, you know, there's even some controversy about how far north they need to go, um, within our own state. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and guys, these are not people. These are not people that you can say, Hey, you got to stay north. You got to stay south, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. These are wild animals that, you know, if if the numbers get to the point where they need to expand in order to feed themselves, they do, right? Yeah, they're uh, not gonna,
1: they don't read lines, they don't read the laws, you know. It's and, they're gonna go where they want to go.
2: And people in New Mexico, if you think that this is a Colorado issue, think again because, yes. um, they do not know what a border is, right? So, right, um. Yeah.
1: Well that so, that's part of the thing too is they, their argument was they actually were talking about having Mexican wolves all the way up to Denver. Yes. Like their that was never part of their historic range, ever. Matter of fact, where wolves are right now in Arizona in and New Mexico, it's already it was already a fringe part, but it's way more north than than uh their historical ranges. Matter of fact, actually Um Jim Heffelfinger. Okay, he did actually did a podcast uh with uh Robbie at Blood Origins. Mm -hmm. That's a very good if anybody I'm not I'm not uh not trying to plug this podcast here, but if uh that's a very good episode. If you're interested in New Mexico Wolves and Arizona Wolves, that is a good episode to listen to because he was on the forefront of that. And He's a big time hunter, and he understands. And he he spells out like the politics that were involved in this. That the politics really directed what the science. The quote, I might throw my air quotes up there. Uh, the science was was saying. So basically, what they what it is is they cooked the books on the science to get what they wanted politically, right? And if you don't think that's going to happen in other states with other things, like any any time there's a ballot box initiative, um, you're taking you're taking the um, the management out of the, the the true stakeholders' hands. Yeah, it's because it's going to be a, a big political thing. It's going to well, come up, it, come to.
2: Politics. It already happened in Colorado because they passed a bill to re- reintroduce an animal that's already in the state. So. Right. Um, that, that's just proof right there. And, exactly. and I'll throw another one out there, man, is that if you really wanted to educate yourself as far as the North American model, as far as what a predator pit is, how it happens and the effect of these animals on each other, go, and, and I will plug this, man. Um, Jim Huntsman is called the Western Huntsman and mm-hmm. find his episode with Valerius Geist.
1: Oh yeah. Valerius um, Geist is the man yep, <laughs> or was absolutely. the man, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we lost him. Yes, he passed away, but what he left behind and the work that he did and the studies that he did, um, are second to none. And, and this is a man that just speaks directly from the science and the impact and the history because you That's start true. to understand the history. That's like when you talked about, you know, the, um, uh, traditional area of the Mexican gray wolf, people don't realize that we had jaguars in the country that hunted other Predators that kept oh, yeah. those numbers down. So, yeah, it's uh, it, it's
1: always a very short, you know, a uh, short viewed. Okay, there, there a, a lot of these. Uh, i mean, again air quotes scientists, mm-hmm. but, uh, especially the ones that are politically corrupt or or have been indoctr- indoctrinated with with a certain belief that. They say that they're non-biased, but they're super biased. They have its always like they're cutting off their noses to spite their face. Like we're seeing that right now in Arizona. Okay, um, a few years ago, um, man. I'm gonna I hope I going to make myself some enemies here, but <laughs> they're, um, I'm not gonna get into specifics of where. So basically, what we're having right now is we have a public official with U.S. Fish and Wildlife. That is, a few years ago, he he wanted to remove um, a bunch of mesquite trees out of out of a certain zone. Okay, and it, his reasoning for that was because he was in charge of promoting the masked bobwhite quail, and it's only they're only found in that area of Arizona, and 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 into Mexico. And in order to, his, his theory was let's get rid of these trees so raptors don't have a perch and they can't, you know, decimate these, uh, coveys of quails. And another thing that he did was let's dismantle all the, um, uh, mechanical and concrete style water holes because the deer in that area, they never had it before. So they don't need it now. And now it's that, that those politics didn't fly. So uh, while I was down there this year, they're removing tons and tons of these trees everywhere. They're like literally just leveling, leveling and just turning it to grassland.
2: And we just did away with the cover for the quail.
1: Right. Well, there's, there's tall grass there. So the quail actually has cover and there's, there's there's brush for them. I I could see how it might still be fine for the quail, but what's going on is they've removed these trees and now, now, now his narrative is we're doing it for the deer. We're taking away the cover, this cover for the deer. In the 1800s, these, these mesquite trees weren't here. A lot of those mesquite trees were, were brought in, um, from what I understand, they might be from like Argentina or something. That's, I don't know that to be true because they look like the same mesquite trees that are up here in Phoenix yeah. to me. Um, but anyway, they brought these mesquite trees for the cattle, for the cattle operations to, to create shade and for the cattle and, uh, windbreaks and, and blah, blah, blah so now he's basically saying that the deer are going to thrive because we're bringing it back to when they used to thrive back in the 1800s. So this is my argument. This is my argument for wool and reintroduction of wolves. This is my argument for a lot of things is deer are not like humans in in our generation cycle. Okay, so what's a typical generation for consider a generation for humans, 20 years? I think it's 20 years, right? Deer, it's like four years, five years. So if you go back to the 1800s, and I don't know, I'm not going to do the math right now, but, you know, 200 years, divide that by four, what is that? 50? 50 generations of deer have have gotten used to the fact that there's these trees there have gotten used to the fact that there were these water holes there. So they have slowly adapted. Their bodies have adapted to that. Like you take that away. You don't think deer are going to die. It's the same thing with like introducing a wolf into an area that they haven't been for hundreds of years. Okay. Is I really to didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't really want to go down this road, but I'm I'm going down this road. Like for me, it's like they're not the animals there are not used to evading a wolf, right? Because right. they've never seen a wolf, right? So there's going to be detrimental, um, you know, problems with population. There's going to be some extra loss for a while until those animals. Readapt to the fact that there's wolves on the landscape. So like all these things need to be considered and I don't, I don't think, I think everything is so short-sighted. They see what their goal that they want to get and they never look at everything that's around them. That is a factor that plays into this. Like if you're going to play God, you got to play God. You know what I'm saying? You got to be able to move all the pieces on the chessboard. You can't just. Say, I'm going to move this pawn right here, and that's an awesome move because yeah. <laughs> you got to think 10 steps ahead, you know?
2: Well, and even at that, I mean, we have professionals that that's their life. That's what they study. That's what they do. And even they, you know, find that, okay, we make a decision, try and do the best we can, and maybe it went too far this way, and now we've got no. to work to come back. Oh, to an educated way. guess. I yeah, mean. and. Yeah, it, that's all it can be. And then when you have people that are just narrow-minded, narrow-sided, that you know this is the goal, heck or high water, you know we we want this to happen. Um, man, then there are huge repercussions to that. So, you right. know, I I think we I think we. Gotten that point across, and I and I think we're actually preaching to the choir. But at well, the same time, what we're doing problems, is
1: we're always preaching to the choir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're never. The, the, these conversations aren't being had between uh, you know hunters and non hunters. Like, right. and and this one needs to happen. This is a bridge. This is what we were getting about earlier. Is that gap needs to be bridged because we're losing the battle because the other side has been talking to the non hunters right forever.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of like um, we become. It's so funny. We become real passive in that. It's like, ah, why am I going to try to explain it to them? But well, you know what? It's time we need to. And and that's really the goal of this show, not only to. Uh, we're hoping that not only that we've given you information so that you can go and you can take some action and information so that you can get involved in other actions and understand the impact that you and the numbers of us together, the impact that that can make as well. But we've also done this in order to help you have that intelligent conversation to find those materials so that you can become ambassadors. Because y'all, look, if we don't, then we're being incredibly selfish because our children and our children's children Mm -hmm. and theirs, uh, they're going to be the ones that are going to lose something that is a huge part of human nature, a huge part of our history of who we are and what we've done and how we've survived. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's critical that we change our narrative to be able to Mm -hmm. include that, you know, um, you know, to be able to show a picture and, and instead of saying necessarily, I mean, we can tell our story, how it was done, but also tell the story of how these animals did not even exist here a hundred years ago, but it was monies of sportsmen, private landowners and people that invested in those animals that brought them back from, um, virtual extinction, you know, right. uh, and you can do that. I mean, get the numbers. It's unbelievable. All of these. All of this wildlife that people get to enjoy that say that they don't want them hunting that wildlife is there because we help to put it there, right? Yeah, so,
1: it, it can't always be about the money, though. It, no. it, here's the thing: because the, the money is not. I mean, although it's a very valid, valid reason, and honestly, it's the reason why hunting's still around. But
2: did I mention it's money? Did I mention money? Someplace in there, uh, because well, the reason why it's
1: I don't know. At least that's kind of the way I heard it. Maybe maybe I was heard what I wanted to hear. But
2: I'm I, talking about the passion. I'm talking about the tradition. Yeah. I'm talking about the, the passion. Life. The tradition that has to be that Absolutely.
1: has to be part of you has to be part of your thing. Can't just be about you know we put this into it and you know that's why we're entitled because you're saying because of
2: our, funds, of our funds, funds that we've done and yeah right. you know. funding yeah. and whatever yeah yeah that's, that's
1: what yeah that's not my conservation problem. dollars that argument yeah it's a. I mean, it's it, honestly, it's a reason why hunting is still around, but it's, it's literally the, it's the worst argument we have with the non-hunting public sure, to an extent.
2: Sure. And and what I'm talking about is, okay, so the monies were something, part of the tool to do that, but really it was the passion of people that wanted and exactly. loved these animals to see them thrive and come to fruition. You sure. Know?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you had said something and it sparked me to, uh, there's a quote out there that like society becomes great when old men plant trees, knowing that they'll never sit underneath the shade of those trees. Hmm. Uh, so like you got, even though it's not going to, you're not going to see the fruits of your labor basically, for a lot of this stuff, these are things that you need to do so that your, your children and your children's, your, your grandchildren will be able to enjoy it and, and so on and so forth.
2: Absolutely. So, yep. Yeah. So um, where, do you right. have any closing words that you'd like to say to everybody, John, before we get out of here?
1: Yeah. Um, real quick. I want to circle back to the importance of that management plan. You know, I, I know I started going off a little bit on, uh, on management and, and you know, reintroduction of stuff and changing things and playing God, whatever. That's why this management plan is important because it's going to give, give the people with that have boots on the ground, the ability to make changes on the fly that are going to direct wildlife in the most, Positive trajectory. I guess that's the best way I could put it. So go to halfawildlife.org, um, and click on the take action center. Now it, the, um, the wolf is one of the actions on there. Right now we're dealing with bears, right. uh, Washington tomorrow. Matter of fact, there's a commission meeting in Washington that we're getting. We're trying to get, you know, bear hunting back on, on uh, track over there and. We're dealing with a corrupt commission. This is something that's, unfortunately, we're going to start seeing a lot of, especially in the political climate we're in. Um, there are, not every state has the the laws in place that prevent governors from just appointing whomever they want. Uh, you know, they can appoint their cousin Nick, you know. to to be a commissioner, uh, and do their bidding and, uh, or, or, or more so do the bidding of the, of the big time, uh, boosters that came up with the money for them to get into office. So, you know, um, it's important for us to be very involved is basically what I'm saying is very involved and have our hand on our finger on the pulse and our hands into every single issue that pops up countrywide. And, and it, honestly, half a while I've seen get involved in stuff in Canada and, and, right. and, uh, and possibly even Mexico, um, because we're all connected. Uh, we hunt in Canada. There's a lot of us people who hunt on piano, a lot of Canadians come to hunt here. um, and we don't we don't want to see precedents uh being set in other countries that could affect our country too.
2: So just like what we're talking about from state to state, country yeah. to country is one continent, man. Yeah we're, you all,
1: like that. yeah, we're all paying into the same same kitty, you know, it's all going into the same pot somewhere, shape or form. And when I say paying, I'm not just talking about the funding, but um With
2: timing and options and
1: everything. Yeah, exactly. You know, so.
2: Yeah. Well, John, I think um, uh, Mm -hmm. this was super. I think this is great information for you guys out there. Um, Go to howforwildlife.org, Try to get involved. Be positive. Be good ambassadors. uh, And help us to take something that we love so much and to ensure there's going to be here for generations to come. Appreciate you, John. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right, man. Take care.
0: Anglers search for the one they call King, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver Saturday, May 18th, from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV. Oh, that's awesome! Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.